0: Good morning, everyone. It's good to be in the Lord's house today, and uh, it's always a it's always a special blessing to see the loved ones, the friends, friends and loved ones that we know. And it's good to uh, good to be here with you and with uh, with folks at Sovereign Grace as well. What a blessing! What a blessing we have together. I take it that uh, Aaron's in Chicago. In Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. Why we should be in Seattle? To get, friendly get, together. get together. I got you. Okay. Well, my wife, she said, no, nah, she's probably in Chicago." <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Forget what it's like back then. Yeah. Forget what it's like back when. when you have someone. Yes. Yes. That's right. <laughs> yes. You know, it wasn't too long ago. It wasn't too far back for me, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 40, Forty years though. That's. That's something. That's something. And it sounded rather, <clears throat> I don't know, theological, his explanation of how this all transpired. You know, it sounded like Luke chapter 2 or something, or Matthew 1, where it's all how it all transpired and trying to put all those numbers together and put all the activity together, you know, when she was told by the angel and all that stuff. But anyway, it was good. To, good to, it's, a, it's a blessing and uh, congratulations, though. And uh, and I'm sure uh, Brother Mel will have to endure the the uh, the nice uh, climate and all that good stuff in in Hawaii with uh, with a smile on his face, probably. Who knows? Got to do it. Got to do it. Well, this this morning we uh, it's our intention to look at the title of our message today is the Divine Communication Trail of the Birth of Christ. The Divine Communication Trail of the birth of Christ. Yeah, Any of you have have to go on a communication trail before? <laughs> Where that you, uh, sometimes it's through emails. And uh, one of the ways that through an email you go back and, and for me anyway, and going back on a communication trail, I'm usually, I start from now and I'm having to go backward. I'm having to, you know, you, tr- you track from this, from the latest email to a previous email to a previous email and those chains can be long and arduous and try, especially if there's some kind of legal thing that's going on and you want to make sure that you got everything and you got it all together and you got it in your head and trying to piece all those things together. How did this all this whole process take place and everything? And, uh, and I want to think today on a divine communication trail. A divine from the standpoint that God's the one speaking. And uh, whether it's the Son of God, or God the Son, or whether it is God the Father, I want to think on that trail that we find in the Word of God, especially in the book of Hebrews. And we find in the book of Hebrews, there's a, there's a trail that has something to do with when the Son of God was going to come into this world, and that there was some communication going on at that time that we really don't see in the Gospels However, we're told in the book of Hebrews, this was going on. This was what was happening. This was communication that was happening in in, in the sense of, in a sense of, in time, but it had to do with the counsel, the eternal counsel of God being fulfilled. And so when we look today, I want to look at Matthew, if you will. First, let's just go to Matthew chapter 1 and I want to read a, a a little portion here in Matthew chapter one as we think about upon uh, today. And and I and as Brother Mel said, and you know, I've never shied away from this occasion in the sense of in the sense of everybody's focused on the birth of Christ at this time. Why would not meet? Why would not I? And uh, why would not I? In the sense of uh, sometimes in the sense of correcting what, what's out there, and and sometimes in the sense of as well a. Uh, uh, as the Lord's people uh, just simply uh, out of mercy and, and kindness and goodness uh, wanting to just uh, recognize, you know, what has happened. Uh, we, again, we don't know that the, the time uh, of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, but at the same time, we do know that uh, it happened and it is clearly something that is well documented in the Word of God and it, and it is a fundamental of the faith virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 1, look with me at verse 18 to start with here. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. (laughs) That's a miracle. Okay? The miracle of Christ's birth is the conception. The miracle was the conception. There was a amazing conception that took place that it is God the Holy Spirit not fathering, but God the Holy Spirit implanting, in a sense, the Son of God in Mary such that now she will bring forth a son like everybody else brings, like like women bring forth sons. It would be the it would, she'll go through the process she will be a human mother, she will be the human mother of Jesus and as we find there's going to be it, yet she's not the mother of God as some people want to claim she's but she but the but God is coming into this world at this time so reading there it's there's the miracle the miracle's not in the birth the miracle is in the conception there's where the miracle took place and uh, and the word of God says there. Um, but it says uh, Joseph in uh, verse number nineteen. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while they thought, or while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee thy uh, marry thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit has has brought about this this amazing conception and she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins the scripture says now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying behold a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel verse 23 and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us then Joseph, being raised from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and he knew her not until he had brought forth, until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and called his name Jesus, as we read here. Verse 23 again says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. God with us. Now turn to the book of Hebrews. And uh, quickly, I want to identify this trail a little bit, at least the first points of this trail uh, that we might uh, take a look at the trail and might get these markers, might get these points that, uh, that I believe the Word of God describes. We might even think about going down a, a different kind of a trail, the trail that you go walking on. That I know some of you are very devoted hikers and walkers and such as that, and you'll go walking this time of year. Out in the cold and such. And we tend to stay in the mall or someplace like that. But anyway, but anyway, uh, there's going to there's be some of that. There's no doubt about it. And then there's trail markers and such. But anyway, uh, Hebrews chapter 1, look at verse number 6. And, and I just want to point out just the, the words here. It says, For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be uh, to me a son. Verse 6 says, And again, when he bringeth the first begotten into the world. Stop right there. Okay, that's one of these points of interest when it comes to the divine communication. When he bringeth the first begotten into the world, the Scripture says here, he saith. Okay, so there's, the Lord God is going to be speaking here, and it's when he brought the first begotten into the world that he said this. Okay? So look with me to Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 9. Hebrews 2. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. What's that? That's the birth of Christ. That's him coming into this world. It is him being made a little lower than the angels. He was not a little lower than the angels. He was far above the angels for eternity past, from eternity past. But he came into this world, and he made himself, and the Father made him a little lower. He was made a little lower than the angels. So all the glory, the high sense of his glory, he set aside in a sense, in the sense of humility, in the sense of becoming human flesh, becoming man. The angels are higher than men. And and we find order, as the Scripture says, but here it's talking about he was made a little lower than the angels, and we're going to read on, and we see him saying down here, "I'll declare thy name," and the, and he says, "I'm going to, I'll put my trust in him," and I, I and the children of God, which I have given me, verse number thirteen, he's going to be speaking here, and it's when at the time of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, when he came into the world, in Hebrews chapter ten and verse number five, Hebrews chapter ten, again we're going to see a another one Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 5 the scripture says wherefore when he cometh into the world he saith It's another one right when he cometh into the world when Jesus came into this world he the son of God saith it's it's going to be a communication here a divine communication that's happening between the father and the son during the time of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ an interesting one that we want to take note of now Let's start here in Hebrews chapter 10, but before we do, let's go to the Lord in prayer, but I'll, I'll tell you what my points are. First of all, Hebrews chapter 10, right here, we're going to look at, at marker number one, and this marker is the Father's will, okay, the Father's will. The second marker we're going to look at is back one step, because we're going to go back like you would in an email, back one step, and it's given to the Son, first marker the Father's will the second marker given to the Son the third marker we'll look at in uh, Hebrews chapter 1 is God the Son God the Son some people have a query and have problems with the idea there's, there's cults out there that have very strong problems with the idea of saying he's the Son of God and yet also then saying he's God the Son. A lot of people have problems with that, but I want to show you how theologically and how biblically sound that it is. Amen. That it truly is sound to say that this is God the Son. So we'll think about those those things today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings and the opportunity now to look into your word, speak to our hearts through it. And Lord, as we think upon what you have said, what you said about the birth, what what conversation what communication was going on during the birth of Christ and when he came into this world when you came into this world when god was manifest in the flesh we're just we just are we stand in awe and we just pray that you'd help us to look at these critical portions of scripture that you'd give us a a better understanding of what the purpose of coming into the world was. And we just pray that your blessings upon us today, you'd encourage us all as we're reminded of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Hebrews, Hebrews chapter uh, 10, let's begin reading in verse number 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, here you go, okay, We start out with this context. Paul, or the writer of the Hebrews, is saying it's not possible that the blood of good bulls and goats could take away sin. It never was possible. It never has been possible. It never will be possible that the blood of bulls and goats can take away sin. It was never the plan of redemption that salvation would take place or forgiveness of sins would take place Through the blood of bulls and goats. It was never the plan. The plan was the blood of bulls and goats. Never. All the way back through the Old Testament, never the plan. The plan was that the blood of bulls and goats would point forward to this one who would take away sin. To the one who would. So when we read here, for, and this is why, because it wasn't possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. The scripture says, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, what do you think that the coming of the Lord into this world is about? From Just just read this verse 4 and 5, and you you kind of get a grasp contextually here of what the coming of the Lord into this world is about. What is the birth of Christ about? It's about coming to die to fulfill the picture that the Old Testament painted about the sacrifice of animals, of innocent beasts, that Jesus Christ would be the antitype of. That he would himself fulfill this picture. He would be the one that all those sacrifices pointed to. That he would be the one that our trust must be in. That the Messiah, the coming one, would be the one that we we have to trust in. We have to believe on God and, and trust in Him. that He's going to take away our sin. Wherefore, when He cometh into the world, He saith. Who says? The Son of God. The Son of God, when He's come into this world, He said this. Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not. Who's He speaking to? Somebody tell me. The Father. The Father. He's speaking to the Father here. And he says, Sacrifice an offering thou wouldest not. That was not pleasing. That was not enough. Sacrifice an offering wasn't gonna do it. But a body hast thou prepared me. In other words, hey, I, I you're you've just prepared a body you, me as given me a human body. As he comes into this world, at the birth of Christ, what's going on? There's a communication, a divine communication between the Son and the Father here where he says, you prepared me a body. Sacrifice an offering you would not, but a body you've prepared me. And, and it's for the for this glorious purpose. It says in verse number 6, and burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou has had no pleasure. Then said I lo... I come. Then said I, the Son of God, lo, I come, and then he, he per, in parenthesis it says, he says also, just as a parenthetical thought, in the volume of the book it is written of me. What's he talking about? Well, at that time the New Testament wasn't, wasn't around. He's talking about the Old Testament scriptures. Someone says, well, the New Testament's all about Jesus. The Old Testament's all about Jesus, right? Yeah. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. The Son of God is saying to the Father. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. And it says, he goes on to say, I come, why? Verse 7. To do thy will, O God. To do thy will. He came to do the Father's will. Above, when he said... Paul, or the writer, says, above, when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offering and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, uh, neither hast pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Why did he come? into this world according to Himself. Why did He come to this world? In this communication, His own communication with the Father at the time of His birth, why did He come into this world? He came, as the Scripture says here, to, to take away all our sin, to make a once-for-all sacrifice for sinners that we might be right with God, that we might truly have redemption through His blood, as the scripture is saying. So he would be the sacrifice. So I'm thinking about the Father's will here. I'm thinking about the Father's will because he says, I come to do thy will, O God. That's the message here in, in this portion of Hebrews. I come to do your will. Your will is what's important. I want you to turn over to John because John... Um, okay, what do we? how do we refer to John if we were to refer to the Gospels? we'd refer to John what is Matthew Mark and Luke they are called a, a certain kind of gospel some of you back in the back row know this even though you're not going to say it but, but, uh, because we've gone through this on Wednesday night we've gone through a whole bunch of this kind of stuff but what kind of gospels are they synoptic gospels of course he's going to tell you that he'll tell you they're synoptic gospels okay John is a non-synoptic gospel. John is more doctrinal in, in a sense, even though there's order in the gospel. Yet at the same time, he's talking about what's really happening behind the scenes. He's theological. He's theological, and as well, the book of John, it's a book of love, of course. But the book of John is also a book of... God the Son. It's a book that says John one one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was not a God, but the Word was God. The Word was God. So John says the Word. John and, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And down to verse fourteen, became flesh, dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, that glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. So we read in this passage of Scripture now, uh, we're going to look at John, and look at John chapter 6, if you will, verse 38. John chapter 6, and verse number 38, the Scripture says, For I came down from heaven, here's Jesus again speaking, and He says, John 6, 38, For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of Him that sent me. You see, Jesus Christ the Son of God the Son of God came into this world to do the will to do the Father's will the will of him that sent me and this is the Father's will verse 39 this is the Father's will which has sent me That of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up again at the last day. What is it about? What is the Father's will about? Why did he send Jesus Christ into this world? According to the testimony going back to the emails <laughs> according to the testimony of Jesus himself he said he sent me into this world to bring salvation to sinners he, he sent me into this world to be that offering for sin that one time once for all offering for sin he sent me into this world I came into this world down from heaven not to do my will, but to do His will. And what His will is, is that everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on Him shall have everlasting life. It's about the salvation that we preach, that we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, why did He come? He came. You say, "Is the well then, is the first coming or the, the first advent of Christ or the, uh, the birth of Jesus Christ part of the gospel? It certainly is it certainly is that's the very reason he came into this world and if he wouldn't have come into this world and become man the book of Hebrews is rather clear then we'd have had no sacrifice we'd have had no high priest we'd have had nobody to take away our sins and he came, he did come so marker number one as we're going back we look there and it's, it's about the father's will the father's will that's why Christ came came for the, to fulfill the father's will secondly, marker number two given to the Son, given to the Son, Hebrews chapter 2 verses 9 to 13 Hebrews chapter 2 and I apologize no I don't Hebrews chapter 2 verses 9 through 13 that I'm making you have to move around in the scripture a little bit it's a good exercise Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9 because I think it's needful here, I don't I'm not one that usually does a whole lot of jumping, but at the same time, I do think it's needful here. Hebrews chapter two, verse nine. The scripture says, But when but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. Okay, so we're looking at Jesus. Paul, the author of Hebrews, says we're looking at Jesus, and we're looking when are we looking at him? When he was when he came to the world. Okay? He was made a little lower than the angels, for why? Why was he made lower than the angel? Why did he come into this world? Why was he born? For the suffering of death. He had to come into this world and be born as a man, as a human being, for the suffering of death. Crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all things. Now notice who this is. It became him for whom are all things? Who is the Son of God? He's the one for whom everything exists. For whom are all things, and by whom are all things? What does that mean? Means he's the Creator. He's the Creator of everything. Not only is he the 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 uh, the little child, a little baby in in a manger in Bethlehem. He's the Almighty. He's the Almighty it says and bring and it said it became him in bringing many sons unto glory two however many and, and we keep counting I think untold millions ultimately untold millions of those sons that he has brought to glory it became him in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation who is he? it's Jesus Christ he's the captain of our salvation perfect through sufferings he had to become that perfect sacrifice so that he would be the captain of our salvation by coming into this world to suffer the scripture is saying here for both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one us and him for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren brethren what a glorious title to be a son of god and a joint heir with jesus christ what a glorious title saying i will declare thy name unto my brethren When He came into this world, He's saying something. I'm going to declare your name unto my brethren. I'm going to declare the name of the Father. I'm going to declare the name of God unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. He would. And again, I will put my trust in Him. Jesus, I think, did that. He put His trust in Him. He said, said, Father, if it be possible... Let this cup pass from me. (laughs) But what if it's not possible? And he knew it wasn't possible. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. He says, I trust you. He put his trust in him. And again, behold, I am the children which God hath given me. He says, me, putting my trust in him, but also, I'm going to declare your name so so that your children... Those that you've given to me, who've been given to me, uh, they're also going to trust in you. They're going to believe on you. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. That's the birth of Christ. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. He came into this world to die. He came that through death he he might destroy the one that had the power of death, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage, as the Scripture says here. But there it is. That's part of that communication that's going on. And it's about being given to the Son. Turn with me to John chapter 6 again, and look at verse 37. John 6 and verse 37 here. And uh, the Scripture says there, John six thirty-seven. All that the Father giveth me. All that the Father giveth me. The Son of God knew that there were, at the very time of his birth, that there were folks that had been given unto him. That had been given to him. He says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. I'm going to fulfill the Father's will. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. If you look with him at chapter 10 of John. John chapter 10, verse 15 and 16. John 10, verse 15. And the Father knoweth me, as the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. I have some other sheep. Verse 29 of this chapter says... My Father which gave them me, speaking of those sheep, my Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. He says there's some given. The, the, the very birth of Christ, according to the Lord Jesus Himself, the very birth of Christ in, his, in the communications that we look back to here, found in the Word of God, the, the, the very tr- transcript of the Holy Spirit, we find these words that tell us that the purpose in the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ had to do with the Father's will, and it had to do with the Father having given some unto the Son that He might work and that He might do a work that has to do with eternal salvation. The Father's will, then given to the Son. What a wonderful gift. What a wonderful gift. is, And that gift is the gift of... You say, what a wonderful gift... It, 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 I know it is to the Son. I know the Son of God feels it's a wonderful gift from the Father. You ever give good gifts to your kids? Yeah, and uh, and and they're they're you, you, we ought to give good gifts to our children. We don't need Christmas to do that, but we ought to give good gifts unto our children, certainly without question. And we ought to know that they're that they're good for them too. You don't you want to prevent them from getting things that aren't good for them, right? And, and so it is. Well, this, to the Son, He gave this gift of, of sinners. What a gift that was. <laughs> I say, I know the Son of God somehow felt that was a good gift. You know? But when I look around, I'm thinking, mm, <laughs> I don't know if that was such a good gift. But it was a gift that was given nonetheless. And what, a, what an amazing gift you think about that gift and you think about how that okay that was the gift that was that was given unto the son and he had this responsibility to to carry out the salvation of these sheep that he'd been given the salvation of a bunch of nasty sinners a bunch of sinners that offend him a bunch of sinners that offend God And, and yet that would be the gift of eternal life. There's more to the the sacrifice of the Father that we don't understand when He gave His only begotten Son. And there's more to the sacrifice of the Son that we don't understand when He went to the cross to shed His precious blood and die and, and suffer the shame and the scoffing of sinners upon Himself in dying for us, in coming to save us that have been given unto Him of the Father. And I'll tell you, I think about the, those given unto him of the Father, and I have to say, I don't know who they are. I don't know. I don't know who they are, and therefore, I can't say, well, that's not one of the sheep. I can't say that. I never can. I can't say, just because someone isn't saved, I can't say that's not one of the Lord's people, in the sense of his chosen, in the sense of the sheep. I can't say that's not a sheep but that's not one of them. And so you got a mom, you got a mom. You got a dad. You got a daughter. You got a son. You got a grandson. You got a granddaughter. You got a cousin. You got a sister, a brother. You got all kinds of relations. And and in all those relations, you can't say that he hasn't, that she hasn't been given Unto the Son, you can't say it. And, and, and as a child of God, you ought to have some faith and some trust that God can save their souls from sin. There is nothing sh- there's nothing that he cannot do in delivering sinners from their sins. There's no one who's, in, who's, who's irreparable from a divine standpoint. There's no one who cannot be saved, cannot be rescued. Through this one that came and was born in the bird in the in the virgin's womb, this one was conceived in the virgin's womb and was born and laid in the manger. This particular one can say, and I want you to look at this, this third point in Hebrews chapter one, Hebrews one verses four through eight. Hebrews chapter one verses four through eight. And so we're going back, we're tracking back now to the marker number three. We'll go back to this other email string. And this other email string, It's the title of that string is God the Son. God the Son. This one who came down from heaven, who came down and made himself in the likeness of sinful flesh, he was he was truly flesh, truly man, but without sin, He came in the likeness of sinful flesh. This particular one was God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4. The scripture says, Being made so much better than the angels, as he had by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they, for unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son. When did the Father ever say to any of the angels, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee? Never. Never. It never happened. He never said to any of the angels, You're my son. I've forgotten you now. He he says, And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. No. He never said it to any of the angels. It never happened. He had a son. (laughs) Eternally. But he never said it. And again, when he brings... Here it is, verse 6. Here's that. This this is why the email... This is why this email is important. When he bringeth in the first begotten into the world. First one One of the ones said, When he cometh into the world, he saith. This is, When he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith. Who's speaking? The Father here. The Father's speaking here. And when he brought the first begotten into the world, here's what he said. Verse 6. And let all the angels of God worship him. All those angels, creatures, the creation of God that is higher than any of us bow down and worship Him even when He brought Him into this world even bringing Him into this world He did not put away His Godhood He did never put away His Godhood when He came into this world God was manifest in the flesh the Scripture says Paul says to, to Timothy God was manifest in the flesh God came into this world. God the Son came into this world. And we we read it here. He says, When he bringeth the first begotten into the world, he saith, Let all the angels of God worship him. Who are you supposed to worship? (laughs) You're supposed to worship Christ. But who are you supposed to worship? When you look at the Old Testament, who are you supposed to worship? God only. First commandment. (laughs) Okay? Look at the Ten Commandments. Who are you supposed to worship? (laughs) There's none other God before me. Don't put any other God before me. Don't you make an idol. Don't you bow down to any other God before me. I'm the one you're supposed to be worshiping. So, he's come into this world. When he comes into this world, he says, let all the angels worship him. The Father says, worship him. What does that say? It says that it's God the Son. That's what it says. It does not say it is the, the, the Son of God. That God wanted everybody to worship? No, He's not a different person. He's God the Son. He's a different person of the Godhead, but He's not different in terms of being God. He's God. He is God. And so, He says, Let them worship Him. Read on. And of the angels, He saith, who who maketh His angels' spirits and His ministers a flame of fire. But unto the Son, He saith, Here's what He said when He brought the first begotten into the world. Unto the Son He saith, the Father said, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. Is there any question? <laughs> is there any question about it? This Father says to the Son, when He brought Him into this world, the Father's speaking. We're looking clearly at this email from the Holy Spirit. This fa- the Father said to the Son... Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning, hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. And we could go on. But what we read here is, it is God the Son, God the Son. John, if you look over to the uh, the seventeenth chapter of the book of John, John one one says it rather clearly. But look with look with me to John seventeen here, and look at verses one through five. John seventeen: These words spake Jesus, and lift up his eyes to heaven, and said, "Father, the hour is come; glorify Thy Son." That thy son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. See, he's been given these sinful people, not much of a gift, as we said earlier, but he's been given these sinful people to, as the scripture says here, to have power over all flesh. To give eternal life unto them, to give them eternal life. That and this is life eternal, that they may know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. I have glorified Thee on the earth. I have finished the work which Thou gavest me to do. Jesus, He says, I'm I'm right at the end. I'm about to die on the cross. All to now, up to now, I finished the work that You gave me to do. And He says, and now, O Father, glorify Thou me with Thine own self. With the glory which I had with thee before the world was, who is he? He's He's God the Son. Uh, I had this glory with you for forever. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou hast given me out of the world. But what we see here is that these these folk were given unto him, and they are. And this is God. Uh, this is God Himself, and He's going to glorify the Father. His purpose. His plan. His. His accomplishment in fulfilling the Father's will was glorifying the Father. God the Son coming into this world, the Father would glorify the Son, and the Son would glorify the Father, and as every one of us have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father has been glorified. And we as his people have come to be those who are believers on God. And we're those who know the, the truth about God and, and that he loves us and that he sent his only son to die for our sins. That he has purposed things for us for all of eternity that are absolutely unimaginable. And why do you You know, what started all this? Well, it was the counsel of God that started all this. It was eternal, everlasting, eternal forever in the past but the birth of Jesus was on this wise is what is what we heard a little bit ago Emmanuel he'll call his name he said to to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23 that you sh- thou shalt call his name Emmanuel which is being interpreted God with us truly he was God with us and so as we look at this passage I think we see some divine communication that's going on at the time of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ what I find very intriguing I find it very interesting in thinking about this is what was going on so what was the birth of Christ about well it's about the salvation of sinners it's about saving me from my sins it's about saving you from your sins and it's about saving a whole lot of other people that you say well that's not a sheep oh you don't know (laughs) that that may be one of his sheep and, uh, and he may be bringing them as well and glorifying the Father in doing so. Let's go, Lord, in prayer at this time. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings, the opportunity to look into your word, speak to our hearts through it. And, Lord, as we think upon your birth, uh, may we reflect upon the glory of the purpose for which you came into this world. We'll give you the praise and the honor for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.